simply known as the Palmetto Informer. Welcome back to the almost famous Palmetto Informer podcast. I say almost famous because this is only our second show. That's right. And we would like to thank everyone that checked out the first podcast and to remind you to keep sending us feedback at scngpodcast at hotmail.com. We have another show packed with great information and stories about the South Carolina National Guard. Yep, we have a jam-packed show for you today. But before we get started, let's talk about one of my favorite holidays, Halloween. That's right. It is just around the corner, you know. And everyone is getting geared up, buying costumes and candy and decorating. While it is important to get that perfect costume, everyone should remember to stay safe. That's right. Keeping yourself and your children safe during the trick-or-treat extravaganza can be done by taking a few precautions and being aware of what's going on around you. Doing simple things like carrying a flashlight or a glow stick, or even having a reflective belt or tape, makes it easier for people in cars to see you. That's right, kids. If you're out trick-or-treating, make sure you're in groups and you have a responsible adult with you. And, whenever possible, trick-or-treat in well-lit areas. So keep all those things in mind while you're staying safe this Halloween. Coming up in this show, we have Senior Master Sergeant Ed Snyder covering the South Carolina Air National Guard members returning from deployment. Staff Sergeant Tracy Dorgan brings us an update on fitness and how to stay motivated. And Sergeant Erica Knight brings us some information on counter-drug and what they've been doing recently. But right now we have Staff Sergeant Tracy Dorgan and how the Guard has changed since 9-11. Post 9-11, this isn't your father's National Guard. Since the attacks of 9-11, the National Guard has had to make some of the most dramatic changes in its 373-year history, a senior National Guard leader said in a recent interview. We have evolved and we have changed, said Major General William H. Etter, the acting director of domestic operations at the National Guard Bureau. In the past, the Guard was a strategic reserve. Just like the name, it was held in reserve, waiting for the big one. Like any change, it was kind of insidious and started out small, so we may not have recognized it, he said. The big one that would change the dynamic of the Guard would come in early 2003, when Operation Iraqi Freedom began after multinational forces, led by U.S. forces, invaded Iraq. What happened there was such a large demand for American military that the Guard became a part of ongoing overseas action. And we're very proud of that, and it's something that we don't want to stop doing, said General Etter. About three-quarters of the National Guard members have been deployed once, and 25% have been deployed more than once. The Guard feels like it's a battle-tested, hardened organization now, with many combat veterans, he said. With that kind of experience level, it just makes for an extremely professional and capable organization. You know, just like Sergeant Dorgan pointed out in her story, the National Guard has changed over the years. You know, we're in the trenches, we're, we're right there, shoulder to shoulder with the regular active duty military people, doing the work, towing the line. So, you know, good job for the Guard and, and everything that they've been able to accomplish over the years. Speaking of good jobs and accomplishing stuff, Senior Master Sergeant Ed Snyder brings us a story about members of the 169th Fighter Wing returning home from their deployment overseas. Nearly 200 airmen from the Skang returned home August 29th after completing their deployment to Joint Base Balad in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. The airmen touched down at Eagle Aviation 
at the Columbia Metropolitan Airport and cleared customs prior to busing to McIntyre, where they were reunited with their families. The airmen stepped off the buses and into the waiting arms of loved ones, many who were waving American flags and homemade signs. Molly Etheridge of Orangeburg said she was excited and anxious to see her son, Tech Sergeant Jeffrey Hardy, a munitions technician, return home from his 120-day deployment. The worst thing is not being able to pick up the phone and call him whenever I want, Etheridge said while waiting on her son's return. This is the first major combat deployment for the 169th since 2003, when the unit deployed to OIF and flew more than 400 combat missions. Before that, the wing deployed to Qatar in support of Operation Enduring Freedom in 2002, flying more than 200 combat missions in the early days of the Afghanistan campaign. It's a very good day, said Brigadier General Scott Williams, 169th Fighter Wing Commander, as the airmen returned home. We're proud of our Swamp Foxes coming home. Brigadier General Williams said he heard nothing but good things about the wing's deployment, where they provided air support for U.S. and Iraqi ground forces. You know, it's always good to have our men and women come back home from a deployment safely. Uh, you know, their families are definitely glad to have them home, friends, you know. So they did a great job while they were over there. It makes it even better. And so congratulations to them and thank you. Now we're going to take it on over to Sergeant Erica Knight. She's going to tell us how to stay healthy and eat right and do all the good stuff that we should be doing instead of choking down cheeseburgers and fries. Sergeant Erica Knight, and this is Looking at Your Health, where we'll be discussing current health and fitness topics to keep you and your family healthy and active. We've all seen organic produce, meat, and other items at the grocery store. It looks, smells, and tastes the same as non-organic food. So what's the difference? According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, organic farming practices are designed to encourage soil and water conservation and reduce pollution. That means organic farms do not use traditional means to keep pests and weeds away from crops, and the animals are not given steroids or growth hormones. In order to carry a USDA organic seal, the food must meet certain requirements, and there are different categories. Products that are completely organic, such as fruits, vegetables, eggs, and other single ingredient foods, are labeled 100% organic. Foods that have more than one ingredient, such as breakfast cereal, can use the USDA organic seal or the following wording on their package labels, depending on the number of organic ingredients. 100% organic means the products are completely organic or made of all organic ingredients. Organic means that products are at least 95% organic. The phrase, made with organic ingredients, means these are products that contain at least 70% organic ingredients. The organic seal can't be used on these packages. The terms all natural, free-range, or hormone-free, are important, but they do not mean the same as organic. The term natural means the food is minimally processed, free of synthetic preservatives, such as artificial sweeteners, colors, flavors, and other artificial additives like growth hormones, antibiotics, and hydrogenated oils. One reason to buy organic is to reduce the amount of pesticides we ingest. The Environmental Working Group establishes two lists annually the Dirty Dozen, which lists the 12 conventionally grown produce items with the highest pesticide residues, and the Clean 15, which have the least amount of pesticides. 
The top five on the Dirty Dozen for this year are celery, peaches, strawberries, apples, and blueberries. Celery contains 64 types of pesticide residue. Foods with a thick skin, like pineapple and watermelon, are safer because we don't eat the outside. However, when synthetic pesticides are used in the soil, they can actually be absorbed into the plant and into the foods themselves. Now that we've learned how to stay healthy with what we eat, we're going to keep the theme going and take it over to Sergeant Dorgan so she can tell us how to stay fit and what's out there as far as exercises. Get up, get out, and get motivated. Exercise is a part of military tradition, so why is it that so many of us have trouble getting motivated? There are several ways to get up and out the door, and there are fellow Guard members out there to help. Here on McIntyre, there are people who belong to different teams, and those teams need more players. The excuse that most people use for not joining teams is that they don't know about them, until now. Staff Sergeant Thomas Arthur leads the Swamp Fox basketball team that plays on Fort Jackson. Arthur said this season the team has several new members because of last season's players being on the recent deployments, and there are nine people on this team and they are getting better every game. Being a new team is difficult. Learning how to work together would make them a better team, said Arthur. They always need to pick up their cardio and athletic ability to be strong players. Basketball games are on Tuesday and Thursday every week at Fort Jackson. If anyone is interested in playing or watching a game, call Arthur for times at 647-8489. Now that we've covered keeping our body healthy with both food and exercise, now we're going to see how the guard is keeping the environment healthy with Major Sinclair. This is Major Jim St. Clair, Joint Force Headquarters Public Affairs. Newspapers, plastic bottles, aluminum cans. Everyone is used to recycling these items for a greener environment. But did you know that concrete can also be recycled? It can. And thanks to careful planning by the 169th Civil Engineer Squadron, reusing the old concrete from this summer's airfield construction projects will not only help save the environment, but save the government $500,000 to boot. According to Captain Gareth Fleischer, the deputy base civil engineer, the last time any significant work was done on McIntyre's runway, taxiways, and ramp was approximately 15 years ago. While not in danger of immediate failure, the airfield was showing signs of significant wear and tear, and it was time for an upgrade. These projects were originally programmed for 2008. However, due to -to back-to-back operational readiness inspections, it was decided to postpone the work until this year so that it could be done while the wing was deployed with minimal disruption in the Skang's mission. Last month, the runway portion of the construction was completed. And even though McIntyre's jets have now returned from overseas and Savannah, construction on the ramp, taxiways, and overrun won't be complete until later this month or the beginning of December. In the meantime, operations have resumed, albeit with some juggling of where aircraft are parked and how they move around the airfield. Reusing the old concrete from the ramp area of the project had two main advantages, according to Fleischer. First, it reduced the cost of having to purchase and transport the material needed for laying the new concrete. And second, it eliminated the cost of having to haul and dispose of the old material at a landfill. The reused concrete was mainly used as a foundation or base course for the new concrete which was poured on top. While the original ramp was 6 inches deep, the new ramp will be 12 inches deep. Security Forces complete heavy weapons training. Members of the 169th Security Forces Squadron spent two days training with different weapons in the Air Force's inventory. 
Staff Sergeant Keith Kendrick, a combat arms instructor at McIntyre, said the training is both an annual requirement and qualifications for both combat arms instructors and security forces members. The weapons used during the training include the M240 Bravo, the M203 grenade launcher, and the M249. After one day of classroom training held at the squadron, the airmen traveled to Bastogne Range at nearby Fort Jackson for hands-on training and live fire exercises. The training is important for the airmen to maintain combat readiness and be prepared for deployment. This type of training is done Air Force-wide, and since security forces airmen may deploy with members of other units, all of them need to be familiar with the different weapons the Air Force uses. Sergeant Eric and I has more information on South Carolina's most recent drug seizure. Earlier this month, the South Carolina Army National Guard Counter Drug Task Force assisted Lee County officials in seizing 856 marijuana plants. The total estimated street value was $17,120,000. This was the largest South Carolina marijuana seizure in recent history. The autumn months are typically a time when organizations plan their festivals and fun-filled community activities. It is also a time when the service of our nation's veterans is recognized with military appreciation days, parades, or other patriotic events. We in the South Carolina Army and Air National Guard extend our deepest appreciation to the citizens of our great state for never forgetting the men and women of the armed forces and those who paid the ultimate price in defense of freedom. While it is an honor to serve, we want to thank our communities for their generosity and kindness. With military discounts, free concerts, or free tickets to sporting events, we extend our deepest gratitude for never forgetting the sacrifices of our service members and their families. We could not do all that we do in defense of freedom without your support. From the South Carolina National Guard Public Affairs and Community Relations, I'm Major Cindy King. and opinions presented on this program are for information purposes only. We make no representations or guarantees of any kind with regards to the accuracy or application of any of the topics discussed in this program. The information given is solely the opinion of the presenter and does not represent that of the South Carolina Army or Air National Guard or any other military branch of service. We accept no liability of any kind for the use or misuse of this information discussed. 